For this reason, I love before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's Ephesians chapter 3, if you want to have a look from verse 14. I'm going to invite up Kirsty. Um, and then say a little prayer for her, and then she's going to share some words that God's put on her heart. Ooh, oh, Heavenly Daddy, we just ask that you powerfully speak through Kirsty this morning, that your words will flow through her, and that what you want to say will come out, and that you will give each and every one of us ears to hear and a heart willing to listen and act on what you are saying. Lord Jesus, help all of us to grow in our knowledge and love of you. Speak through Kirsty, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Good morning. Well, for those who don't know me, um, I'm married to, I'm Kirsty, and I'm married to <laughs> Pads, our vicar, and we have been here at St. Matthew's for coming up five years in June. Isn't that scary? <laughs> It's wonderful. It's not scary at all. It's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) It was really funny, actually, because when I decided that perhaps I should call this looking for love, Pads wanted to put a little comment in our service sheet saying, this is not speed dating. (laughs) (laughs) But this this scripture is um, Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. And it's actually played a key role in my own healing journey. And this is why, at the end, you can all take a little card away with you, because particularly this verse, that you will grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That is something that I almost read every day. And I don't just read it for myself, but I actually pray it for people. And it is amazing the effect. There is real power in the word of God. So everyone can take one home with them today and pray it for yourselves and for those you love. Um, So the Bible says that God is love. So I thought I would begin with sharing my story about how I found love, real love. Love my husband, of course, but real love, God's love. (laughs) 
And my apologies to those who've heard our story before. I can go through some parts quite quickly. Um, so basically, I, as a child, I had to... I say I had to because you can see it was a difficult for me um, to go to a church that was very, very, very traditional. And for children then, it, there really wasn't very much for us to do. Sunday school was a bit like school. And um, I just found it so boring and the children weren't allowed to sort of really say very much and um, when I was 11 I was then packed off to a church boarding school so I was like oh no I've still got to go to church and the local church was I just found it very very boring it, I just couldn't relate to it at all it was all going over the top of my head and I used to mess around terribly in church singing in silly voices to make everyone laugh and anyway I um at the age of 14, my whole class, my whole year at school, because we were a Church of England boarding school, were confirmed. It was like a rite of passage. And my mother, who never spoke about faith, she always spoke about, you've got to go to church, but she never spoke about God or Jesus or faith. It was a very private matter. Suddenly said to me, um, a couple of weeks before I got confirmed, she said, you do believe in Jesus, don't you? And I said, why? You should be getting confirmed. And I went... What's that got to do with anything? I had no concept of Jesus. So just being in the church doesn't necessarily mean you grow up to be a Christian because I, I just didn't really know what it meant at all. And she was horrified and I had to quickly slightly change what I was saying so that I could go along with everyone else and she didn't mess things up and I could be confirmed. Um, anyway, I was quite a rebel um, as a teenager and probably into my 20s and 30s um, and I was actually every mother's nightmare so if you have a child who is a nightmare there is hope <laughs> in God <laughs> and I'm sure your parenting skills um, so there is this rebel um, I won't even begin to tell you what I did because it's just probably it can't be censored and um, I met Pads, who had had a similar background. He wasn't quite as wild as I was, but he also had had to go to church, similar, just similar things, and he'd then gone to a church boarding school where he'd actually written an essay, age 13, disproving the Christian faith, which had very much concerned the headmaster, who was his godfather, who told his parents <laughs> that perhaps, you know, he was going a little bit off track. So... There we were, these two together now. Um, I don't think we would have called ourselves atheists, but certainly we didn't, you know, God just wasn't really relevant to us. We didn't go to church or anything like that. And actually, we um, moved to South Africa. Pads' first job when we were in our early 20s was in South Africa, so off we went. And uh, anyway, cut us long story short. <laughs> we got married, had our first child out there, came back to England, second child was born here. And then we suddenly thought... Perhaps we ought to have these children christened. Isn't that, you know, that's what happened to us. Whoops. We, um, you know, we were christened as babies because it was another rite of passage, a bit of a tradition in the family. And I thought, just in case there's any truth in this God thing, you know, I didn't want to somehow hamper their way to heaven. So I thought I'd better do this because I didn't understand it at all. Um, so we, we had the children at christened. We did have to go to church for a couple of weeks. And then as soon as we didn't have to go, bye, off we went again. And um, fast forward to now the end of 90, oh, yes, summer of 99. My mother, Pads was actually very close to my mother. 
she actually used to call him her toy boy. He was the only one who'd go to church with her, which was she, was, she had a bit of a sense of humour, my mother. Very traditional church, and she used to take pads along at Christmas because I refused to go, absolutely, wasn't having anything to do with church. And uh, so when my mother died very suddenly after cancer was diagnosed, about eight weeks later in her sort of early mid-60s, this was at the end of 99, you know, pads was really... Um, I think what really struck him, I, I don't know where I was, I was completely zoned out, but um, Pads was very struck by the fact that her faith, although she never talked about her faith, it was such a strong foundation for her. So she talked quite normally about going to heaven. She put a whole funeral together. I think I was in complete denial that she was even dying. And, um, and she just... She was just so sure of where she was going, and that had a big impact on him, and I think it got him thinking about things... And then three months later, he went out um, on a business trip to South Africa and um, didn't manage to close the business by the Friday. He had to stay over the weekend. So he looked up some old friends of ours, um, a friend Chris. And Chris said, oh, yes, come spend the weekend with me. And uh, I'm going off up to the bush in my little holiday cottage. And on the way up, apparently, Chris said to him, um, I've known Chris since I was like 12. Chris apparently said to Pads, well, you'll never guess what's happened. I've become a Christian. And he said, I've been on something called an alpha course. And um, Pads was a bit worried. He thought maybe, you know, what was all this about? But anyway, Chris seemed the same sort of person. And apparently on a Sunday morning, Chris woke him up and said, well, look, you know, do you want to come to church with me? Or are we just going to, you know, have a lie-in and we'll have a barbecue at lunchtime? Or a braai, as they do in South Africa. And uh, anyway, um, Pads said, uh, oh, he said, uh, you know, our in church won't do me any harm. So he went along to church, rather different from this church. Uh, I have been there. Uh, it just had a, at the time, it just had a sort of um, a roof. It had no sides. But what happened in that church was that Pads had a very powerful experience of the presence of God. And he, he said it literally, you know, it was so powerful. He said he was weeping. He doesn't weep. And he was trying to hide from everybody. Um, and he didn't really understand what this meant. So when he got back to England, our friend suggested he went on an alpha course. And the nearest alpha course was at a church called Greyfriars in Reading. That's how we initially ended up at Greyfriars in Reading. And uh, I have to say, I, I wasn't sh- Well, I didn't really want any of this at all, actually. I was like, oh, no, it's going to be like when I was young, when it was so boring, we don't want to go there. Um, and anyway, Pads um, signed up for the Alpha course. And in the meantime, he'd been reading all sorts of books on Christianity, Buddhism, New Age, because he was exploring what it meant to who was this God, you know, and uh, no real understanding that, of Jesus at that point. Anyway, Pads went on the Alpha course. I went along for the first night just to check out that it wasn't some sort of cult or something. And, and then I ran away. And um, it was about two months later, Pads was on this Alpha course, and as part of the Alpha course, you have something called the Holy Spirit Day. Pads was very excited about this day. Off he went. And when he came back that evening, he said to me, I've had a wonderful day. I've given my life to the Lord. Well, I said, I beg your pardon. The only person. <laughs> the only person you have given your life to is me when we got married. And I was not at all happy about this. In fact, I felt hugely threatened because I didn't know who this Jesus was that he'd given his life to and it just all was I actually said to him well I'll have to go and leave you then and go and find someone like me because I I just didn't want any of it at all 
And in fact, I used to go to the pub on a Saturday lunchtime with a couple of my good girlfriends, and we used to commiserate over gin and tonic as to what had happened to pads. <laughs> oh dear. Perhaps it was just a fad, you know, a phase. And he'd get over it. Um, he didn't get over it, but I have to say, he was very good. He didn't pressurise me, but I was a little bit like a dog with a bone. I couldn't not talk about it or argue about it. And I used to, I used to say to him, the Bible's just stories. Look, it's not real. It's just stories, you know. We don't want any of this. We don't need this. We're fine. Anyway, Pads was getting more and more involved with the church. And he said to me, well, look, why don't you find out a bit more about it? You know, if you were finding out, exploring about things, you might research something. So he suggested I went on an alpha course. So I lasted three weeks. And then I ran away. As soon as they started talking about the Holy Spirit Day, I thought, well, don't do spirits. I'm out of here. So I, I ran off the alpha course, much to everyone's disappointment. But they, they didn't show that. They were very nice to me. So then Pads had this brilliant idea, um, which is why we know that people can't make people believe because he thought he would take me to South Africa, to this church where he'd had this experience because God would obviously do the same thing for me. I'd have the lights would come on and off we would go happily. It didn't happen. And uh, I had a very nice holiday. In fact, I sent an email to some friends of mine saying, um, oh dear, I'm being taken to a den of Christians. (laughs) (laughs) So I... uh, wasn't really in the right place for finding God. Um, anyway, when I got back from South Africa, someone had put a note through my letterbox. I lived out at Mortimer at the time, inviting me to a Y course. And I thought, oh, now another course. They're obviously, you know, all honing in on me. It sort of felt like, and they weren't really like that, but it sort of felt like I was being... And anyway, I thought, well, um, the Y course, it's on a Wednesday morning. So I thought, oh, well, perhaps I could... Um, score a few points here because I worked mornings. I said to Pads, look, I'll go on the Y course. I'll have a sabbatical for the term. So I'll give up my job and I'll go on the Y course. <laughs> so I thought it was a really good deal that I could suddenly have a whole terms term off and um, I could um, you know, do what I wanted to do and continue my rather hedonistic lifestyle and um, Pads could do what he wants with the church and all I had to do was go on this course. I thought it was a brilliant idea. But I didn't realise that actually God was already beginning to work in my heart, I suppose you could say. And on this course, every time they said the word Jesus, I could feel myself welling up. And I, and I don't do tears. And I was like, oh my goodness, pull yourself together. What's this? You know. But every time they mentioned the name Jesus. And um, partway through the course, the course leader, who was a very astute lady, invited me to lunch. And she's very good. She didn't talk about faith. Uh, she talked about all sorts of other interesting things. And then she said at the end of it, um, would you like to say a prayer? And I went, oh, no, I don't do prayer. And uh, she went, oh, okay. And I thought, oh, it's not going to harm me <laughs> to say a prayer. So she said, well, you know, from what I understand, you know, you've got to a point where you believe in Jesus and you're sort of sitting on the fence. And I said, yeah, I'm very happy sitting on the fence and carry on with the rest of my life my way. And yes, I believe in Jesus. I've done the course. Yes, I sort of, you know, have an understanding. I believe that there's enough evidence to prove that Jesus did these things. And uh, so she said, well, don't you want to respond in some way? And I went, uh, no, not particularly. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I did actually think that it it probably wouldn't hurt me just to say a prayer. And um, so this prayer, I said, um, 
basically Jesus come and do life with me. In fact, it was quite similar to the prayer that Pads had said. So I thought it was quite funny uh, because nothing happened. But she said to me, you might want to just tell someone that, you know, you've, you've said this prayer, you've actually made some sort of commitment to Jesus and you've said, you know, come and do life with me. So I remember thinking, right, I'll tell Pads because I can't think of anyone else who would be pleased. And um, so driving home, this is on the 17th of October 2001. Believe you me, it is a day I will never, ever forget. And so driving home on my rather large mobile then, um, ringing pads, which of course you never do while you're driving, um, I said, oh, you'll never guess what I've done. I said, uh, I've said a prayer like you did. And as I said that, I was just filled with this incredible heat. And it was like scales fell off my eyes and I fell in love. I describe it as I fell in love with the Jesus I never knew. And all I could say, apart from that, I couldn't stop talking about him, I kept saying, why did no one tell me about Jesus? Why did no one tell me about Jesus? And everyone was like, uh, well, you did read the stories when you were at Sunday school. I was going, no, but, but, but you know, he's real, he's a person. Why did no one tell me about him? And um, I drove everyone absolutely potty, I have to say, because it was all I could talk about. It was like the new boyfriend. Jesus, Jesus this, Jesus that, that's wonderful. I just couldn't get enough of Jesus. And I was with a lovely group of ladies who were, I suppose, discipling me. They were telling me all about the wonderful promises, and I just thought this was absolutely amazing. Until a friend of mine said, um, I think you better stop talking about Jesus because you're actually going to put people off him. And I was like, oh no, that's the worst thing. I don't want to do that. I love him so much. <laughs> anyway, I, I think I've got a little bit of a better balance now. Um, but I've been on really an incredible journey since I've met Jesus. And I have actually seen God do the most incredible things in the lives of family and friends. And I think what I want to talk about this morning is the fact, that, having said all that, um, is the fact that I then met this God. I was madly in love with God, but I found it really difficult when I was trying to build my relationship with God and, and trying to sort of listen and be quiet still and read my Bible. I always had this deep, nagging feeling, this fear that in actual fact I wasn't good enough. And that somehow, although I had been told by these wonderful women who I met up every week with that, you know, God loves me and um, completely unconditionally for who I am, actually, I didn't really believe that. In my head, I, I thought, yeah, yeah, I, can, I get that. But actually, in my heart, I was saying, no, this love's conditional. It's conditional. It's, it's somehow dependent. I, I, I need to behave in a certain way or I need to perform the things I need to do for God. And I didn't recognize it for, for quite a while. And I just, I just want to stop for a moment because um, I want to ask you, if you really believe in your heart that God's love is completely unconditional, that he loves you, warts and all, every part of you just as you are, that that lovely verse that Christ died for us while we were still sinners, not while we were all sorted, not that we're sorted, but Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Do you really believe that? Or are you doing things to 
please God or to earn his approval or maybe the approval of others? Are you doing it for people? What do you do? What do we do to meet our love needs? Are we trusting God? Are we secure in that relationship? I certainly wasn't. I was doing all sorts of things. I think my identity was, well, it was a bit mixed up, really. I think I was still the rebel, the party goer who wanted to entertain people and make them laugh because that was meeting a need in me. I could be quite a people pleaser because that met some other needs. I could be the opposite to a people pleaser because that met another need. And, you know, I was doing all sorts of things <laughs> to try and make myself feel loved, I guess, or accepted, worth something. So I just want you to bear that in mind, just to think about that. And I imagine that, like me, you've had doubts and struggles. And I really, really prayed. I was really banging on the doors of heaven, saying, you know, Lord, what is this? Why, why is it that I keep feeling and thinking that I'm not good enough? Why? Things were starting to come through the lens of, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. People would say something to me, I'd think, oh, what they're saying is I'm not good enough. I think God is saying I'm not good enough, you know, and I just was quite overwhelmed with it, really. So I was really seeking God, and I was saying, okay, is it sort of tied up with, um, is someone I need to forgive, forgive myself for something, forgive others? Is it something I'm doing that somehow just couldn't work out what it was and I did really have to I really did call out to God and say help me I need to know what's going on here so it did take some sort of persistent prayer and then I got led to a healing retreat which was very helpful and um, it during that time God actually showed me that what this was all about went right back to my very early childhood where events had left me feeling abandoned and rejected. And so I had sort of grown up, didn't realise this, I had grown up believing there was something fundamentally wrong with me and therefore I must be unworthy of love. And if God and if people knew the real me, I wouldn't be loved and accepted. So therefore I had to try and work out who exactly I was. was, I mean, I suppose as a teenager, I was just this wild child, but actually as I've grown into adulthood, it's quite difficult actually working out what you think people want you to be and and pleasing people and then thinking, oh, no, I want to be naughty. I was all sort of a bit over the place. It was very exhausting. And um, But I wanted to hide away the parts of me that I didn't think was acceptable to myself. Certainly I didn't love them. And I, I was pretty sure God didn't love them and he could see them. I understood that. He knew me. And so I thought that I needed to be strong and sorted and the life and soul of the party. That's probably the main things that I thought. And in this letter to the Ephesians, this prayer for the Ephesians, Paul knew how important it was for us to grasp how much God loves us. And that's why he was praying for the church. He was trying to really get them to understand this. Not just in their head, because I'd got got it in the head. I could quote all sorts of things, and I I understood that. But it was not in my heart. I was not living it out in my life. I was tied up with all these fears that if people really knew me, somehow I'd, well, I'd probably be rejected. So I had to hide that bit away. 
And God wants us to know this as a reality in our lives, in our, in our hearts. He wants us to be secure. He wants us to be rooted and established in this love. I think of like a tree. There's lovely, um, there's a nice scripture in the Psalms about being by a tree by the riverbank with deep roots. And it's deep, deep into um, sort of God's truth and, and it's growing and it can't be knocked over because it's secure. That's how he wants us to be, but rooted in him. Now, I know none of us are perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. And I know that forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, maybe forgiving God, if you feel God's done something, you know, you might need to forgive him, even though it's perfect. But we still need to, to do that sometimes. Um, but if we can grasp this fact, this truth that God loves us completely unconditionally as we are right now, then I think it will help us to be able to love ourselves and love others unconditionally. And this was something that I really experienced, even with these group of women who were loving me when I first became a Christian. But it's taken a long time and I'm still on a journey. Please don't think I am sorted. I'm still on a healing journey. Because if we think of Jesus as our, our role model, he showed us the way to live. He knew how much the Father loved him, completely and utterly, unconditionally. In fact, the Father said to him, I'm really pleased with you, before he even did a miracle. I love you and I'm pleased with you, my son. He hadn't done anything at that point in time. He was so secure in the Father's love that he could love others even when they hurt him. And as we know, he lived his life with 12 disciples and he had a sort of inner circle of three close friends who he shared his, you know, his hopes. He obviously was teaching them, but he shared his hopes and his fears. And I think in a way it's very much like a sort of small group model. I mean, some of you may be in home groups or small groups. And I would so, so encourage you because that has been my experience of really close, deep fellowship where we can be real, we can be honest. We don't have to hide bits of us that we don't think are very acceptable or you won't be going like that. We don't have to hide them from God, and we don't have to hide them from one another. But it's very releasing, and I believe God really wants to release people today from the things that are holding them back, the things that are stopping them from having a really deep, close relationship with God and with God's people, because they're worried that actually, deep down, they're actually maybe struggling with lies. It could be a similar lie to, to mine. That actually, I'm not really good enough, so I'm not really. If you knew those parts of me, you wouldn't love me at all. So this unconditional love and acceptance uh, slowly has been encouraging me to, to feel more secure and to unlock the door so that people can see me. I'm not just strong all the time. And another key on my journey has been the power of God's word, which is why I particularly wanted to... Um, give out these little prayer cards because one of the ways that we overcome the lies, they are lies that we are fed about or we believe about ourselves that we're not good enough or we're worthless, those are lies God never intended us to live like that he intended us to have wonderful loving mother and father and you know my parents I, I, you know, I love them and they did their best in some difficult circumstances. And I'm sure everybody's got, maybe some people with children are thinking, oh gosh, what have I done? I don't mean to think like that because none of us are perfect. But in God's 
perfect world before we sinned. I think the idea was that our perfect parents would model God's love as we grew up and then they would be teaching us about God and we would be strong and secure. But of course we live in a broken world where stuff happens and we get hurt. So Psalm 51 says, you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost places. And God wants us to know these truths of his word in our innermost places, which is why scripture, the word of God, his promises are so life-giving and it's so important that we can feed ourselves on God's word. The Bible actually calls it renewing one's mind with the truth, also changing your thinking, but it's with the truth of God's word, not what the world says or what other people we think expect of us, but what God says. God does not say to me, I made you worthless. God does not say that to any of us. He made us and he created us to live in a relationship with him. And he loves us. We are so precious. We do not know how wide and long and high and deep is his love because it is beyond our imagination. So his word is powerful and transforming. And his promises are to each one of us. My current favorite one is, I am a child of God. I love that one. I've got a song about that in a minute. Um, But... There's some wonderful, wonderful scriptures. And another one for me has been, especially as I felt, oh, I'm not good enough, has been, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I don't do things in my own strength, but I do it with God in relationship with him. And the third, I suppose, key you could say on my healing journey, as I said, I'm still very much on this healing journey, is the Holy Spirit, although he's obviously not a key, he's a person, but he unlocks a lot of stuff for us. And he is our counsellor, and he was the one who showed me what was actually going on, why I was believing these lies about myself. He exposed that root cause. So I would encourage you, when you're struggling with things, when you're believing things that... I don't know what you might be believing, you're not good, in my case I'm not good enough, go to God with it. Keep going to God with it and saying, Lord, please, would you show me what's this all about? I I want to move forward. And um, I feel stuck because he's the one who helps us get unstuck. But he also uses the family, his family. He's placed us all in a family. Wherever we are, we're in a family of believers because he wants us not just to have that close relationship with him but that close, deep relationship with one another. So God has given us his spirit to help us. John 16 says, the spirit will guide us into all truth. And not only will he guide us, but he will fill us with power from on high. Again, we can't do things in our own strength. And Paul says in our our reading today, in that prayer, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
We're all on a healing journey. We're all becoming the people that God created us to be. And God longs for us to grasp this truth and to know that his love is completely and utterly unconditional. There is nothing we can do to make him love us any more or any less. He loves us. It's so vast. It's, it really is beyond our wildest dreams. So, enough of me. It is time to let the Spirit come and minister to us. And for those of you who are familiar with the ways of the Spirit, or those of you perhaps who are unfamiliar with the ways of the Spirit, maybe I should say you can trust him because he knows you completely and he loves you so, so much and he wants what is best for you. So I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. He is here, but I'm just going to ask him to come and just speak to us in whatever way he chooses. Might just be a feeling, might just be, might just feel peaceful. You don't actually have to feel anything at all because we know that he is here. But he might reveal to you maybe some areas that you're stuck or some things you're doing. Dancing to someone's tune because you want their love and acceptance. Not really believing maybe that God does love and accept you. Not maybe believing that God can provide everything you need. There could be so many different things I don't want to put words into his mouth. He knows and only he knows what we need. So I'm just going to ask for him to come and I'm going to wait a few minutes before I finish with a short clip, uh, which we'll go straight into, and then I'm going to pass you back to Joe and the worship team. And there will be time for prayer ministry afterwards. Um, Joe will lead us with that. And, uh, and please, obviously, take a prayer card home with you. And could I encourage you to ask God, maybe, for a particular scripture that speaks into your situation? I'm a child of God is a big one for me at the moment. And... Uh, I'll probably move on to something else. <laughs> I love that. I go and sort of, oh, like this one now. And it's a question of just, I declare them actually. I go, oh, I am a child of God. You know, it's just wonderful truths. And the more we speak these truths over ourselves, the more we actually, with God's help, they start to move down and we start to actually believe them. More than just in our heads, we actually start to live them out in our lives. And we will become secure and rooted in that love. So why don't well, I just you don't have to, but why don't I, you might like to close your eyes and maybe just put your hands out? Um, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. So we just ask you to come, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are our counselor, that you know us completely and utterly. We pray that you would just have your way with us.